2: that is not the drug problem that is in fact the drug policy problem
1: i speak tonight for the
0: dignity of man selena fox are you there yes i am happy yuletide happy yuletide to you and happy season whatever it is all about Just for a little bit of introduction, Reverend Selina Fox is a senior minister and high priestess of Circle Sanctuary, which is a Wiccan church, pagan resource center, and nature preserve with a worldwide eco-spirituality ministry. For more than 30 years, Reverend Fox has served as one of the elders, religious freedom activists uh, for religious freedom activists and a public spokesperson for the Wiccan religion, and related forms of contemporary paganism and eco-spirituality nationwide and internationally. Now, this Christmas holiday we see swirling about us uh, is a tradition and a mix of history and myth. Uh, And we're going to look into a bit of the history and myth-making that went on and a little bit of uh, introduction. There is the theory that Christmas came in the 4th century, uh, had been assigned to December 25th, which was the winter solstice on the Julian calendar. Uh, December 25th was assigned as the birthday of Jesus because the pagans already observed this day as a holiday. Of course, this is not the first or last time politics and religion have mixed. In an act of triumphalism, the early Christian replaced the pagan celebration with Christmas. My understanding is it had been the Feast of Saturnalia by the Romans, the greatest festival in the Roman year, lasting for several days, perhaps 12. And it was marked with great feasting, gift-giving, dancing, playing, and relaxing. Homes were decorated, work was suspended, and there was general merrymaking done by all. The Romans often cut down evergreens and decorated them to pay homage to Saturn, the god of farming. This was to thank Saturn for the crops harvested in the fall to also honor the fact that the evergreens remained alive during the harshness at its wintertime. Uh, Reverend Fox, what can you tell us, or Selina, what can you tell us about the Roman festival of Saturnalia?
2: Well, it depended on where in the time of Roman culture that you're looking at, but at its height, it was celebrated for at least a week, um, it typically started on the 17th of December and included a variety of different events. The Juvenalia, which is part of the Saturnalia, was all about gift-giving to kids. Sound familiar?
0: Gift-giving to kids. That was yeah. the juvenilia.
2: That's right. And then the ophthalia, um, the correlate to Saturn was Ops. So we get the word opulent today from that name, the goddess of plenty. There was the giving of fruit, because in Mediterranean um, environments, there was fruit to be had. So part of how people have the Christmas oranges and Christmas apples really have their roots in the pagan Saturnalia. But probably out of everything with Saturnalia... How it's celebrated the most in America today is really in the form of the New Year's Eve party, where the merrymaking can get quite exuberant. And I've so, noticed. <laughs> so our entire holiday season really has bits of ancient Roman paganism woven in, and the word Yuletide comes from another part of pagan Europe, that of the Teutonic peoples, or people from Eastern Europe, Germany, and Scandinavia. Yule means great wheel, and this was the celebration of the turning of the solar wheel into the new solar year, which in America we celebrate as the new calendar year.
0: Interesting, interesting. And what about the Yule log? What is that about?
2: That comes from Scandinavian paganism. And the Yule Log was a huge oak log that was cut down, ceremonially brought into one of the grand houses or lodges of northern European peoples, and it was kindled, and it would last, according to some accounts, not only a whole day, but for several days. And amongst the Vikings, I know they have somewhat of a mixed reputation um, <laughs> if you look at the Hollywood movies, but um, and yes, there were some people who um, um, got mm-hmm. a bit intense with their appropriation of resources. However, the Vikings weren't all bad, they actually helped um, um, spread some culture and had uh, farming as part of... Their ways of being with the world, and many of our Yuletide customs, including Santa, comes via the Viking route. No, No, really, (laughs) Santa. Yes, and if you look at Santa as um, a mythic figure embodying the spirit of the holidays, we have to really look at Santa Claus not only as a form of Christian bishop, patron of sailors and children who lived more than 1,500 years ago in Turkey. But we also have to look at some other aspects of Santa, including other holiday gift bringers at that time of year, which include Hulda, the winter solstice goddess of old Germany, who went through the sky on a sleigh, hmm. or sometimes it was pulled by cats, and sometimes... Cats? Yeah, cats. Sometimes she was, she was in some sky chariot, and um, she was a night rider, and in some forms an old woman representing the winter, sometimes a beautiful young maiden with a beautiful cape of feathers when she shook it, that was snow and sometimes as a mother, which you'll find in Grimm's fairy tale. But Hulda brought gifts, and if you were naughty, you got switches and coal, and if you were good, you um, were rewarded with fun gifts. And Santa embodies a bit of Hulda, a bit of the the Christian bishop, but most of Santa's personality comes from... Scandinavia in the form of Thor and Odin. Odin, the father of the gods in pagan Scandinavia, would go through the sky with an eight-legged horse named Sleipnir. Now, when you think about it, Santa comes from the north in a sleigh, Hold by eight or sometimes nine reindeer goes lands up on rooftops, goes down a chimney and gives children. Now that has been a tale told for generations now, but that really embodies some Scandinavian shamanism, the whole going down the the dark chimney into the hearth fire piece. Mm-hmm. It in, involves The Magic of Flying Through the Sky, which is pretty much a sky chariot or sun chariot motif, not only from pagan Scandinavia, but from some other parts of the pagan world. And sometimes Santa is called the Jolly Old Elf. And if you look at Swedish mythology, you will know about the Nyssa. Those were the friendly spirits that the Swedish people would honor at this time of year, with offerings of grain and porridge and cookies. So when Santa gets these offerings of milk and cookies, or sometimes other treats as well, we're really keeping alive an old pagan custom of honoring nature spirits with offerings.
0: Wow, fantastic. And it makes me wonder, uh, and if you've just tuned in Bert Cohen here on Portside, talking with the Reverend Selena Fox in Where are you? I forget. Wisconsin? I'm in the middle of an oak forest
2: in Wisconsin, not too far from Madison, but the Ah. little village of Barneveld is a few miles from where I live.
0: Sounds beautiful, and there's some good politics out there, I must say. Great tradition. You are a minister with Circle Sanctuary, and you were talking about the the old woman flying through the night, and it makes me think of the more recent uh, mythic... Image that we have of witches flying on a broom, is that where that came from as well?
2: That is a really ancient motif, and no one knows quite for sure where that flying old woman on the broom has come from. Some say it was Holda, but if we look at Yuletide holiday traditions, we know about Bafana from ancient Italy, and she was an old woman that would bless the good and um, give corrective feedback to those who weren't so good. (laughs) Uh Yes, indeed, the cold. (laughs) And and with um, the rise of Christianity, this old witch goddess got woven into the Christian Christmas story, and it was said that the wise men would come by and they were asking her to go along with them to go see the Christ child. And she was sweeping her house and doing other things, and she ended up not going with them, and then changed her mind and then set out to find them, but then Uh. instead went wandering around and giving her gifts to kids instead of the baby Jesus. Now, that's one version of the Bafana tale, but actually, if you scratch beneath that version, you're going to find her, as a powerful grandmother goddess from old Italy. Hmm. In fact, Bona Dia, the good goddess, had her feast day celebrated in the first part of December. It was an all-women's tradition, but we know a bit about it because actually some men snuck in (laughs) and invaded the Bona Dia um, uh, celebration and wrote to, and lived and wrote to tell about it, um, because that year it was being held in Caesar's household. And you know, if you're in politics, no matter which era it is, if you basically have some kind of a scandal going on, it usually survives in historical records. Which is how come we know about the bonadilla celebration?
0: Wow. Uh, the more we learn about history, the more amazing it is. Of course, one of the uh, big things that we have here in the uh, Christmas celebration is feasting. Wait, tell us about that. It's something that, you know, in, in terms of American holidays, we love those holidays where there's feasts involved, be it Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter. Eating a lot of food, is, it's a great American tradition. But do tell of the background of that. I'm sure there must be something.
2: Yes, and I would say out of the various traditions connected with all types, of holiday celebrations the world over. Feasting is a common denominator. And there are a variety of special foods that through the ages have come to be associated with the Yuletide holiday. From the Anglo-Saxon culture, we have wassail. And the Saxons during their pagan times were using this, beverage and during christian times were using this beverage made of apples and um generally some ale or some other kind of alcoholic beverage and during the middle ages when spices became available from the middle east due to the crusades i'm not commenting on the uh, political correctness of the crusades at this point but essentially that other encounter of cultures really brought herbs and spices into Europe that hadn't really been in that great of an abundance before. And what we have today with the wassail um, is a combination of different beverages and spices. I tend to make a wassail out of a base of apple cider and add cinnamon and nutmeg and cloves and make it available for people regardless of what their relationship with alcohol has been or is, as well as making it multi-generational friendly so everyone, even the youngins, can drink the wassail that I make. Colonial America had wassail as a very important custom. And if you go to Williamsburg in Virginia, where I did my undergraduate work, William & Mary, familiar with, the reviving of these old traditions from colonial america you're going to see people with wassail bowls singing in the streets and and sharing in good cheer not only from the beverage itself but from the great traditions that had been associated with it and you know some of these old pagan customs the wassail being one of them and the old log being another really came to america during our colonial phase even before we birthed ourselves as a nation. In fact, the College of William and Mary, my alma mater as an undergraduate, has continued to have Yule log rituals every year since the college was begun in 1693. And I had the good pleasure of being part of the Yule log ritual back my senior year in college because I was part of a senior woman's honorary called Mortarboard and that was one of our official duties was to do the Yule log ritual, which was a lot of fun. It was basically carrying a huge log into a great hall the of, uh, of a place called the Wren Building, designed by Christopher Wren and people singing and having good cheer and
0: Yeah, having a good party. Indeed. Well how did the date of December twenty fifth come about? Now most uh, historians look at the the birth of Jesus as sometime other than that. That's his, correct historically, and but do do th- tell yeah. about that. Is that the solstice? And and also, you know, there's the tradition of Hanukkah, which is a festival of lights, right? And there's got to be some tie in there that I am not aware of as yet.
2: I think to really look at how the birthday of Jesus Christ got put into December, as well as the rise of prominence of the lights that are part of Hanukkah and the lights that are part of Kwanzaa, we really have to go back into prehistory and really look at the winter solstice. And what is the essence of the winter solstice? We're dealing with the shortest days and longest nights of the year. And at that time, People would kindle fires. They would kindle huge bonfires in some cases or smaller flames in their homes and in their community spaces, not only to chill, get rid of the chill um, with warmth, but also for illumination and to represent the return of the waxing light or the birth of the sun, S-U-N. So part of what we have in our holiday celebrations today, whether it is Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas, Solstice, Yuletide, or St. Lucy's Day, um, who some say this um, Christian saint from Sweden really was Lucina, the goddess of light. But, you know, why is there all this light? It is to celebrate the waxing light. And what ended up happening with ancient peoples, they would orient some of their ceremonial centers to coincide and be aligned with the rising of the midwinter, as it's sometimes called, or the beginning of winter, which is usually known the solstice sun, as well as the setting of the sun. Some of the sites have that. Now, what are some of these ancient sites? Well, people know about Stonehenge. That has all sorts of alignments with rising and setting of solstice suns and even has some lunar um, alignments. Avebury, a larger circle, perhaps not as well-known, but near Stonehenge. And in Ireland, New Grange. More than 5,000 years ago, people built this ancient earth temple, and there is an opening above the doorway When the winter solstice sun rises up, the light shines through that opening, through this shaft, and illuminates the back of this womb-like earth temple. We know that people, not only in these parts of Europe, but in other parts of the world, were celebrating solstice. Machu Picchu, um, Karnak's temple has a complex within Egypt, which has winter solstice alignment, and in in this country, there are a number of Native American sites, not only various medicine wheels, but if you go to Chaco Canyon, there is a petroglyph or a carving on stone that shadows um, of the sun coming through on beginning of winter will illuminate that particular carving, which is um, a sun carving in a particular way. So we know that people celebrated the winter solstice And honored it to the point they even created their ceremonial centers to be able to connect with the light at sacred moments. And what we have today are people continuing that celebration of the light in a whole variety of religious and cultural traditions. I really think part of the reason that Christmas Day became joined with the solstice was that it was fairly late during the period of Saturnalia, and there was already a festival. This is like a culmination of the Saturnalia, and it was the Feast of the Unconquered Sun, S-U-N. Well, people were so busy celebrating and having a party, the Christians were able to have their celebration of Jesus' birthday without attracting a whole lot of attention. So that's one theory that's been given, and another was that the honoring of the Persian god Mithras by the Roman troops had gained such prominence that it made sense to celebrate not only Mithras' birthday on the 25th of December, but Jesus' birthday. During the changeover from paganism to Christianity, many of the the men who were serving in the armed forces continued their pagan ways, and they were honoring Mithras. It was an all-male mystery tradition. Many of their wives were Christian, so you would have the Christian Christmas and the pagan Mithras birthday coinciding on the same day. And if you look at the myths and the legends having to do with Mithras, you're going to see some parallels. Sun god born um, on that day, and was in a cave, visited by shepherds. Wow! <laughs> you know, this this uh, mythology, this legend, this story existed at least five hundred years before the birth of Jesus.
0: My goodness! And I, I, I remember being actually many many years ago in in London and learning about some of the. Uh, strengths of the the Mithraic tradition and, and the power of Mithras is something that uh, a lot of people are unaware of, how a lot of the Mithraic tradition has evolved over the years, and uh, nobody knows about Mithras, but uh, that tradition is going on in reality now.
2: Well, that's true, and the whole idea of virgin birth, you not only have that with Mithras as well as with Jesus being born of Mary, but you're going to find that across a variety of pagan cultures. In fact, December 25th or somewhere in the solstice period, and the solstice can occur on the 21st or the 22nd or the 20th, depending on where you are in the world and what um, the sun is having, happening to do that, um, that year. The exact point of solstice kind of varies by date. Um, each year, but you're going to find births of various sacred forms. And by mentioning this, I in no way am seeking to diminish Christian celebration of Christmas, but to add to the rich diversity that is the holiday season in America today.
0: Well, certainly. and uh, Well, I'll get right to this question about... uh celebrating and recognizing the origins of, of Christmas and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa, by recognizing solstice and Saturnalia, does this in any way threaten Christmas? I mean, it seems to me that all the commercialism, you know, and the creation of more and more products that go fairly quickly into the landfill, that's a bit more of a threat than, than a historic understanding of the pagan origins of Christmas.
2: I would agree, and I also think that some of the stress that stress, stress—I don't know about any stress—is also something that really is getting us away from the original
0: yes. um,
2: purpose of Saturnalia, Winter Solstice, Yule, Christmas, and all the other holidays that month. Because one of the things that the various holidays have in common, there's a focus on family, friends, and community. Yes. There's a focus on peace. There's a focus on renewing bonds of love and friendship. There's a focus on goodwill and good works. There's a focus on fun and play. You're going to see that across these various holiday traditions. And I actually think, given the growing religious and cultural diversity of America, that the December holiday period is really something that needs to be celebrated in many ways, and it is my hope that people, regardless of their religion, or whether they have a religion or not, or their philosophy, can find some ways of being together, not only with other humans, but the greater circle of life at this time of year, and to really get beyond the hustle and the bustle and the commercialism and the stress and find not only some inner peace, but attune our thoughts to being part of a process for world peace. And that's something that never goes out of style, and I hope becomes more prevalent.
0: What a concept, world peace. I'm reminded of uh, during the uh, First World War, the Great War, there were uh, just around Christmas time. British on one side in one trench, Germans in another trench, and on Christmas day they got out of their trenches and exchanged gifts and sang songs together. And then went back to the trenches and started killing each other once again. Are, I
2: I've heard that story and it's a very powerful metaphor about the peace that's been part of this holidays plural right. season. In fact, in ancient Rome and Rome for part of its life tended to be pretty um, military, um, militaristic yes. and warlike. Indeed. But yet, the one time of the year that the Romans called off the war was winter solstice, the Saturnalia, and to actually do a truce and have a period of time um, in December where people can actually take a break from the stress of war regardless what, what you think of war as a way for humans to try to resolve their differences, but to actually take some time off and to share goodwill with each other is a very powerful thing. And I hope that that story will continue to be told at this time as a reminder that even in the heart of warfare, there can be peace and sharing.
0: Peace on Earth, goodwill to all. Goes. It started before Christianity, and hopefully it will continue for a long, long time. Bert Cohen here on portside, talking with the Reverend Selina Fox, out in Wisconsin. She is senior minister and high priestess of Circle Sanctuary, which is a Wiccan church. Getting back to some of the uh, traditions here, you talked about Wassail, the the drink Wassail, and public singing, singing out on the streets. Bright. Sounds like caroling. Right. Well, what can you tell? Is that where caroling comes from? People have been singing
2: songs at the various solstices, not just winter solstice, but summer solstice, uh-huh. um, for generations, for, for thousands of years. And the idea of sharing song together as a way of connecting with others and bringing in the season, I mean, that's timeless. Some of the carols that have come down to us today as Christmas carols. Actually, have quite a bit of pagan imagery. Probably, "Deck the Halls" is the one that, from Wales, is the most um, pagan because it not only talks about a variety of ancient sacred plants, holly being one of them, um, but it also talks about "See the blazing Yule before us," which is basically the Yule log. Sure. And. And I think the idea of getting together and singing is just another way of expressing good cheer. Carols were also not only sung, but there were ring dances, people dancing together in big circles. And this goes back to pagan Mm. times as well. Now, no one really knows when the first holiday tree got connected with this holiday. Now, some people attribute it to Prince Albert in the Victorian era, Um, who had his roots in Germany, and he popularized it in the mid-1800s in England, and many people credit him with the birth of the so-called Christmas tree. But we know, at least as far back as the 1500s in the Baltic areas, uh, people were celebrating... Um, the yuletide season with a big tree in a public square and actually some merchants in Latvia, I believe, got it together and and were decorating this tree and people came together and danced around this huge tree. Um, You'll actually see kind of a a cartoon rendition of this in the animated version of How the Grinch Stole Christmas at the very end when you have all the people in Whoville dancing around the big tree. Really, um, that brings to mind something that was done in the mid-1500s in the Baltics. But there's also some evidence that earlier peoples had trees and would decorate trees not just at the solstice time but at other times of the year. And that doesn't in any way diminish the tree as a holiday symbol, but just, I guess, to really put it in a context that, yes, for some it's a Christmas tree, others it's a holiday tree. We call the tree we have in our home a Yule tree because Yule is one of those terms um, coming meaning wheel. It um, Yes, it's a pagan term, but it's also used in the Christian sense and it's been used in a secular sense as well. So, regardless of what you call it, you're keeping alive an old tradition of having some greenery in the homes and in the public square and thinking about our connection with nature.
0: Of course, I'm thinking about that uh, ancient uh, song around this time of year rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs>
2: And that's another way to do some music around a tree.
0: Sure. <laughs> now, I had done uh, a little bit of research about the druids and tree decorating. The druids, as I understand it, saw the evergreen trees as symbols of everlasting life because they right. lived through the winter undaunted by the cold. So using the evergreen branches as decorations symbolize the undying strength of the sun. And the decorating the trees was also a part of the Roman festival of Saturnalia.
2: That's right. And the holly and the ivy and the pine and a variety of other holiday greens were all part of the Saturnalia. In fact, the pagan roots of taking greens into the home and decorating buildings um, and community buildings is so rooted in paganism that when the Puritans took over America for a short period of time and took over England in the 1600s, there not only was the cutting down of maypoles, another pagan symbol of yes. fertility, yes. but a banning of Christmas
1: because I had it was that.
2: too pagan. It became politically incorrect to celebrate Christmas Well the Puritans reigned for a few decades in, in England and America. But um, with the restoration of Charles II, everything changed again. And people had one huge um, yuletide party, which really was a combination of a lot of religions and cultural um, customs as part of a celebration. And, and uh, certainly, as we look across um, the history of of Christmas, of Yuletide, of Solstice, we've seen some customs rising and falling in favor, and certainly that green business, and even the celebration of Christmas itself, did have a period of time where it was considered too pagan, and therefore it needed to be banned from any Christian practice.
0: Well, I I had heard a little bit of something about... uh when Christmas became really popular in the United States and when Santa Claus was was transformed from a thinner, uh, bearded, true, but a uh, white-wearing character to the jolly, fat Santa Claus that we think of now was through the uh, graces of Coca-Cola.
2: Certainly, there are some iconic images of the roly-poly Santa with a Coke bottle in hand that have continued to be with us since that time. And and also the tale The Night Before Christmas yes. helped bring that elven part of Santa ah. into popular culture.
1: Hmm. And it has
2: been interesting to see Santa um, change shape over the ages. Some say that Really, Santa's roots, in addition to some of the Scandinavian pagan gods that I talked about, some say his roots go back even further. And there's a book that I have in my collection called When Santa Was a Shaman.
1: Yeah. and
2: actually talked about um, you know, the, the whole work with reindeer and the idea of being at the North Pole, a place of power, and the idea of being a knight riding elf all are rooted in some very ancient, um, magical beliefs. And and regardless of where you see Santa as coming from or where Santa is now, I think we all can agree that there is um, a reality to the Santa motif in people's consciousness. And it's less whether you believe that... Santa may have had some kind of physical existence at some point. It's more seeing Santa as an embodiment of the spirit of the holidays. But you mm-hmm. know, Santa is not the only gift bringer. I mentioned Bifana. I mentioned Holda. Um He's sometimes known as Father Christmas.
0: Yes. And
2: you know, there's just a, been a whole range of um, different mythic characters associated with this Holiday. And in contemporary pagan homes, some say that the gifts are brought by the Yuletide Fairy.
0: The Yuletide Fairy?
2: Yes, so it's actually um, more in a female winged one shape. We put on a pageant, a multicultural, interreligious winter solstice pageant every year. A Unitarian church, actually, it's the largest Unitarian church in America, hmm. First Unitarian Society out of Madison, has uh, donated their space each year. And we do a big charity food drive, and we open up our pageant not only to pagans and Unitarians, but people of all faiths and belief systems. And several hundred people come every year into this wonderful. Um, architectural space designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, which, who, who, like myself, capitalizes nature with a capital N <laughs> because of honoring nature.
1: Uh-huh. And we
2: come together in this really wonderful space and with the community of Unitarians that are helping us with this, and we celebrate this holiday by having a variety of different costume characters and music from the past and the present we have drumming and chanting. I guide a candlelight meditation for world peace. Well, every year for the last few years, the Yule Tide Fairy comes, and I can tell you, um, she and Santa kind of
1: <laughs> they <hit> it <laughs> Battle it out for oh. the most
2: popular with the kids. The kids uh. just love it, and you know the Yule uh, Yule Yule Tide Fairy is dancing around and prancing around with her wand, and all the kids are getting all excited. And then Santa comes and. It's a lot of fun, no matter what your age. And uh, part of the reason we put on the holiday pageant is not just to do a benefit for the nature preserve and a food drive for the local food pantry out here in Barnfeld, Wisconsin, but to have a way that people can come together at the holiday time and really celebrate the rich diversity that exists, not only from the past and the present, but to create some new memories for the future.
0: It sounds wonderful. Again, just tuned in. Bert Cohen here on Portside on Portsmouth Community Radio, talking with the Reverend Selena Fox, Senior Minister and High Priestess of Circle Sanctuary, a Wiccan church, pagan resource center, and nature preserve out in the deep, beautiful woods of Wisconsin. couple things I got to ask uh, about Christmas tradition. 12 days. Wh- any clue as to where that came from?
2: Yes. Um, during the Middle Ages, the idea begun by various pagan cultures of celebrating solstice time for at least a week or longer uh-huh. got turned into a twelve day marathon from Christmas to what's known as Epiphany, which is January sixth. Now one of the reasons that may have been the time period may and this is my own theory about this from studying various religious and cultural traditions at this time of year, Epiphany in the Eastern Orthodox Church is the birthday of Jesus. December 25th in the Western Church, not only Roman Catholicism, but then the various Protestant branches that broke away from Roman Catholicism celebrated on the 25th. So you have this 12-day period where people made merry, and it was a way of bringing the two branches of Christianity together in Old Europe. Really? Now, I'm just, you know, looking at that and also looking at um, some possible pagan roots as well, because the Saturnalia would go on for at least a week, and then the Roman pagans just had lots of festivals, and they would have another festival around the beginning of January. So I think actually that 12 days of Yuletide, as we call it, um, it really got its start in pagan times, but it especially became popular during the Middle Ages. And Twelfth Night, you've heard of that. Yes. That's um, the twelfth night of those 12 days of Christmas, solstice, um,
0: Yuletide. And mistletoe, is that just part of the greens, or is there some connection with kissing under the mistletoe the
2: mistletoe was sacred not only to the celtic peoples but to the scandinavian people or the teutonic peoples it was seen as an herb that one could make pledges under so we've kind of going from making pledges under the mistletoe to sealing pledges with a kiss to kissing under the mistletoe so (laughs) a mistletoe is connected with fertility it's also typically harvested from oak trees and it's a, actually a parasite plant and there are various ways to harvest the mistletoe and there are some tales of the druids using their golden sickles and having great white sheets and someone going up and you know taking the mistletoe out of the limbs of the tree and letting it fall down on you know the great white sheet well I know some folks from the South in the U.S., and how did they harvest their mistletoe? Um, not in a very peaceful way, I much, must say. They shoot it out of trees. No. Now, I'm not recommending this as a mistletoe harvesting technique, <laughs> <laughs> but just letting you know that there is some real improv that's been happening over the years, and, and every year we get some mistletoes sent us, harvested in a more gentle way, from Crohn's Cradle Conserve, which is down in florida and mistletoe is in great abundance there and we take the mistletoe from the south and have it as part of our not only our holiday decorations but we give a sprig of this mistletoe out to people who take part to hang in their homes to bring good luck and good cheer and for parties to have some kissing going on under it if people choose that
0: yes choice is a good thing Speaking of choice, you know, here in America, there are a lot of traditions, a lot of myths, a lot of religions, a lot of faiths. We've always believed in separation of church and state. Well, most of us have anyway. <laughs> and part of it, part of the, uh, the the great mix here that makes us who we are as a diverse nation, there are a lot of uh, pagans and Wiccans who are in our culture. I've, I've seen the uh, bumper sticker, Born Again Pagan. Yeah, that's true. And there are, you know, right now it's a time of war. There are people, Americans going to Afghanistan as well as to Iraq. Won't get into that issue right now. People pretty much know where I stand on that by now. But uh, sometimes people get killed. Christians, Jews, Muslims, whatever. Also, Wiccans and pagans are getting killed too. Now, when it comes to the uh, Arlington National Cemetery and and other military cemeteries, you can have a cross, you can have a Jewish star, uh, you can have, uh, I believe, a Muslim symbol. But what about the uh, the the pentacle that for for Wiccans, people are not allowed to put that on the uh, on the gravestones. Is that correct?
2: That's the present state within government-issued military markers. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs has uh, within it the National Cemetery Administration, and the NCA, as it is called, keeps a list of emblems of belief that can be included on the headstones, markers, and plaques that each person who has served in the U.S. military after they die can have to honor them and their service. The next of kin requests this, They pick a symbol from the list to represent their loved one's um, religious orientation, if they have one, and choose that. For more than nine years, various Wiccan churches, ours included, have been trying to get the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to add the pinnacle, the five-pointed star, it's interlaced in a circle to the National Cemetery Administration's Emblem of Beliefs list, so it can be included on these headstones, markers, and plaques, but the VA still has failed to add that to their list. What does that mean? That means that there are Wiccan veteran graves unmarked, including three in Circle Sanctuary's Church Cemetery, as well as at least three in Arlington National Cemetery. There are no markers, or in the case of Arlington, the headstone is there for each of the three people who have died, but there is no pinnacle on it yet. I have gone to Washington, D.C. twice this year and met with the head of the National Cemetery Administration in an attempt to build bridges of understanding and to impress upon him and the rest of the VA the importance of getting this done. People have been serving in the U.S. military for decades. They've had Wiccan on their dog tags for decades. They have given their lives in the time of war and veterans who have served and then have died at a later time. They all need to have equal rights under the law. The VA needs to uphold the U.S. Constitution. But despite the fact that we've had three combat deaths within the last few years, and there have been veterans who have served in a variety of wars, World War II, Korean War, Vietnam War, Desert Storm. Despite that, the VA still hasn't approved our emblem, and during that nine-year period of time, they've approved the use of the emblems of six other religions and belief systems. That is discrimination, and it needs to stop.
0: What, what can people do about that? Because I, I know people who consider themselves pagans, and it seems to be uh, growing. How, how, who can they contact? What can they do about that obvious discrimination?
2: I see that there's several things that people can do. First of all, get informed. And we have a website, www.circlesanctuary.org, on the main page. Click on the pinnacle, and it will take you to a page that details not only what things you can do, but gives background on this issue. I would say contact your elected representatives and express your outrage that this discrimination is happening. I would also contact the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. Secretary Nicholson is the head of the VA and express your upsetment about this. I would also say talk to people of other religions, in particular religious leaders, and have them contact the VA
0: and oh, tell idea. the VA
2: to to change this. And I also think um, I would invite people to, whether they pray, meditate, visualize, or make a wish, <laughs> to um, work in a spiritual way that this injustice gets corrected. I really hope by the time next Yule comes around at our cemetery, not only do we have the VA markers with the pinnacle on it, but all the families who have been grieving the loss of their loved ones will have moved through not only the grief of their loss, but the added grief that America should have liberty and justice for all, but the VA has been blocking that.
0: Wow. And again, your website is org.
2: Yes, www.circlesanctuary.org. And if you want to go straight to the page, you can put backslash Liberty, backslash Veteran Pinnacle, and you will see more information about that particular issue. So I'm truly hoping at this Yuletide that the VA will realize what we want for solstice is our pinnacle on the list so that, at long last, our deceased Wiccan veterans can be properly honored as people from other um, religions and belief systems have been honored after they've died, and that their families can have the peace of mind knowing that America truly does have liberty and justice
0: for all. Wouldn't that be nice? And what, one last question I have to ask. People these days are somewhat uncomfortable. They they start sometimes to say Merry Christ or Happy Holidays, and people feel like, oh, come on, you know, Happy Holidays. That's a bit too general. W- what, what do you say to people?
2: If I know that people are Christian, I usually say Happy Holidays and Merry Christmas. If I don't know what the religion or belief system is, I will say, Happy Holidays, or Good Yule Tide because most people don't fully know what Tide is. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: But they know it has something to do with the season.
2: Well, in Yule, you know, it means wheel. And we all are a part of the great wheel that's called the Connected um, Circle of Life and Nature here. Yes. Uh, but I see that Happy Holidays is a very good term, and I'm sad that some people have tried to... Um, say that that term is somehow incorrect or um, is diminishing right. the Christian celebrated christmas no it 's holidays time, and I really hope that, as America continues to grow and emerge with all of its diversity, that we can find ways to celebrate the diversity not only in our country but within the larger world of which we 're part, and to have more fun at this time of year. And more peace and joy and less grinching.
0: And let's hope there's peace throughout the world next year at this time, if it can't happen this year. Well, it's been very, very interesting and fun to talk to you, Reverend Selena Fox, Senior Minister and High Priestess of Circle Sanctuary, a Wiccan Church, Pagan Resource Center, and Nature Nature Preserve with a worldwide echo spirituality ministry. Check out their website again, uh, Circlesanctuary.org. Thank you so much, and have a uh, happy Yuletide, happy holidays. Happy holidays, however you celebrate them. (laughs)